Hey, all, Daniel here. Just real quick, the bulk of this episode's uh, interview is a little touch and go because that's just how Skype rolls sometimes. Uh, bear that in mind and enjoy the conversation because it's a pretty interesting chat. Greetings, folks, and welcome to episode four of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm Daniel Cordova, your host and spirit guide on this metal journey. In this episode, Neil Fallon from Clutch discusses his first band, and I introduce a new wrinkle to my recommendation section with my very first guest correspondent from Lisa Mungo of the band He Whose Ox is Gord. So look forward to all that later. First, I talk with Blood Ceremony guitarist Sean Kennedy about the band's new album, The Lord of Misrule, their tour with Ghosts, and why the hell Canada is so weird. Before we dive in, here are some of The Devil's Widow from Blood Ceremony. It's a it's a little early where I'm at, but uh, I'm got got my coffee in me and I'm ready to go. How are you? Good, good. Yeah. Are you on the West Coast then? Ah, uh, yes, I am. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's bitterly for me too. I, I work nights, so. Uh, but it's good. It's good to for me to be up. It means I'm going to get something done today. Oh, good. <laughs> Glad I could so, help. Right on. Alrighty. Well, shall we? Yeah. Absolutely. Alrighty. Uh, so, of course, you are the guitarist in Blood Ceremony. Um, the new record, The Lord of Misrule, uh, it sounds great, by the way. Thank you. It, Thanks. it sounds like a lot of natural progression occurred since the uh, previous record. Um, was your approach any different with the new one versus over, uh, the Elder Stark? Um, it, it wasn't really diff- different. We took some time off of... Uh uh, playing though, and had a bit more space to kind of work on the song. So, uh, but uh, I mean, we still pretty much wrote separately and brought songs to our practice space, and then kind of hammered them out together as a band, which is what we did before. Um, it, but the recording process was a bit different. We went to, to Torag Studios in London this time, and and so we we did the full 100% analog recording, which is something we've wanted to do for a number of years now. Uh, what inspired the title of the new record, The Lord of Misrule? Well, it, it, that's kind of a continuation as well of uh, some themes and and, uh, and interests that we, we've explored in, on our 
so um the lord of misrule i think uh, it just picked that up somewhere it's in, in the golden bow as, as this uh myth from antiquity this kind of doomed figure so uh we just thought it was kind of a compelling story and it would be a good uh good name for a rock and roll album uh, your last record told a lot of stories about witch gatherings and the likes. Um, what themes are you exploring on the new record? Um, you know, it's still a lot of uh, supernatural themes, and and uh, and uh, I think there's 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 quite a lot you can kind of explore, even though it seems kind of like a genre um, that could be limiting. I think there's a lot of things you can explore, so. Um, still getting a lot of inspiration from from books and movies and old stories and and uh, yeah, I mean, there, I guess uh, there may be a, a slightly more serious tone on the new record, and I don't know if that was intentional or not. It just kind of happened that way, but uh, still, still a lot of the same themes, really. If fans listen hard enough to your to the lyrics of your band, can they find any sort of personal reflection, or are you strictly storytelling and like horror inspiration? Um, well, it's it's storytelling, but it's it's always going to be personal to a certain extent. I don't know to what extent, but you know, uh, I mean, we're we all like are really, um, you know, we're all pretty happy people. But I, I think like the album kind of ends on a bit of a downer with uh, the last song, "Things Present, Things Past." So that's not like necessarily a refre- reflection of who we are, but. That is, uh, you know, something I think we all feel. So, yeah, that song actually relates to my next question, which was: it seems like a tale about personal loss. Is is that accurate, or is it just sort of in general? Um, really in general, because it's, I guess, you know, it's something everyone has to deal with. But uh, you know, for that, the the tone of that song, we've we've always kind of, for the last three records anyway, we've always finished the album with. Uh, our longest track, you know, our, our most progressive, I guess, for us track, we've always placed at the end to kind of end on a on a on a high note, I guess. But with this with this record, we kind of wanted to pace it a bit differently and, and end on a quieter note. So that's that's where that song ended up. Um, Aaliyah once said in an interview that you guys are a band that's on like always seeking new music and new modes of playing. Who are you guys listening to while recording the latest record, and how do you feel like you've channeled them? Well, Elliot definitely has like a pretty eclectic taste in music, and and uh, I'm not sure when she was listening to. Every time Ali writes a song, it's always a kind of a, a left of center surprise for us. So, um, and on this record too, the uh, the kind of '60s. Um, kind of soul-inspired track is was was uh, uh, one of Ali's contributions. So uh, she, I think she was probably listening to a lot of strange music from from all eras. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty, personally, I'm pretty stuck, you know, I'm stuck firmly in the past. I listened to a lot of um, early heavy progressive rock and early heavy metal stuff. And that hasn't changed too much for me, but... Um, how do you guys usually feel about the occult rock, occult metal label that your band carries? Well, um, when we started the band, there there wasn't, um, uh, you know, this like occult rock movement. There was just, um, 
maybe uh, uh, yeah there wasn't there wasn't this uh, this thing going on so we've just continued to kind of keep our head in the sand and just do our own thing so um, but you know it's it's not a it's not a bad thing it, it's giving a lot of bands uh, more attention and and uh, but I think I think in you know with anything that comes and seems like a bit of a trend is you know the bands that have value are going to outlive it so I don't I don't think it's especially important really in the long run has your image or sound ever inspired like religious zealots to seek you out or protest you because I know bands around America get that all the time not no not especially we've never really had any friction with any uh, religious groups I know that when we were touring once through America with ghosts there there was talk of um, protesters at some of the, the, the shows the ghost was headlining um, I can't remember if anything actually materialized but that was the closest that we've ever brushed up against anything like that and, and, and that, you know and the focus was, was obviously on ghost at that time too but how was that tour with ghost how like how far do those guys take the mystique off stage? Um, well, I mean, they are really, really successful at, at creating, um, a larger than life spectacle, rock and roll spectacle. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, it's fantastic and it's, uh, it's really well thought out and it's really far reaching. So, I mean, personally, I, I you know, those guys are good friends and, 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 uh, we really admire what they do and, and I'm happy for their success too. But uh, no, they're 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 really good laugh, really fun people, and that's that's you know a lot of that is what goes into what makes Ghosts so so fun, I think as well. But that was a great tour, you know. We we drove across the states in the middle of January, and we had a lot of luck because I think it snowed once. <laughs> we were driving driving through Utah, and Colorado, and stuff, and uh, we thought we were doomed, but. Uh, no, it was it was a it was a great tour. I ended up um, playing the last show with them in Hollywood, and it was it was you could feel um, there was a bit of excitement, so it was great. Um, going to kind of your origins, I suppose. What is your earliest heavy? Mu- uh, sorry, let's word this question properly. What is your earliest memory of heavy music? In Canada, we we had uh, the Much Music music station. Uh, I. Canadian version of MTV, so that was always on. And your sounds, there's a lot of uh, Sabbath influence in there, clearly. Um, do you have like a favorite album of theirs, or a song, or anything of that sort that you drew a lot of inspiration from early on? Yeah, I don't have a favorite Sabbath album. It always changes between the first uh, four or five albums. Every time I listen to one, it's my favorite, so... And uh, definitely when we first started, um, yeah, we took a lot of inspiration from Sabbath and still do. I think they're still, you know, they were a foundational band in, in, in heavy metal and heavy music. So, and actually, I saw them recently, just a few weeks back, and they're still one of the heaviest bands I've seen. That was my next question. Did you see them on the end tour? I did, yeah, yeah. I, I saw them in a, a city called Hamilton, Ontario, just west of Toronto. And... Uh, just ab- just absolutely huge sound is great. Great to see Geezer and, and Tony Iommi and and Ozzy, you know. And I, I've seen them about three times now. I saw them in the Heaven and Hell incarnation in 
I saw the reunion tour in 99 as well. And it was, you know, they're just fantastic. Yeah. Just total gods. Yeah. I actually kind of feel like this is the best they've sounded that I've seen. It was my third time and I saw them once on like an Ozfest, and then what I thought was their last tour, the 13 tour. But, um, yeah, I, they're going out on top, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, Ozzy's he's been threatening to retire for 20 years now, right? I mean, there's the No More Tours tour in, the, in like, 95, so. Oh, yeah, I, the Live and Loud record, right? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, he obviously can't, uh, he can't stop himself, so. Fuck yes. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I mean, yeah, when we started, it was, you know, Black Sabbath, you know, everyone I knew was a Sabbath head, and and um, <clears throat> with Ali's with Ali's flute playing as well, we we were able to tap into some other kind of sounds that we liked. Obviously, Jethro Tull and a bit of a like Black Widow vibe as well. And and this was this was just like a you know I used to have a, an apartment where we had a, like a drum kit in the basement and a little studio, so we would jam there. And it uh, that's that's where the beginnings of our our kind of songs started coming together. Did you guys find it difficult at the beginning to work flute into your sound? No, because, um, I mean, Ali has been playing since she was a little kid and she can, you know, she's got a great, uh, great pitch. So you can like hum a tune and she can just play it like that. And it was, uh, you know, and I've always been, you know, just, you know, on the guitar, I, I learned listening to Zeppelin records. So I would just bang out a riff and then, you have a melody and then you got the beginning of a song it was really easy and it was just it was one of those things where um um my friend jeremy was playing drums and we would just come up with stuff very quick and then just all the all the songs we kind of you know when when we got a sound we liked we just started right in that direction <clears throat> but we've never we've never been in a rush to do things either so um we just we record when we're ready and we're not really going by any timeline either but uh, but the, it's never really been a huge struggle to to come up with stuff we'll have more with sean from blood ceremony in a moment every musician has to start somewhere and in this episode neil fallon from clutch tells us about his earth rocking origins this is my first band i chatted with neil in 2013 i believe um going back to the very beginning what was your first band called and what did it sound like or was clutch your first band because i've seen some interviews where you mentioned that you met john paul in seventh grade oh uh, yeah i didn't have any we see we had a a high school band a hardcore band called moral minority which i played guitar in terribly and then we had another band called nsa uh national security agency of course that was very short-lived. Um, then uh, I went off to school and these guys started a band called Glut Trip. And then I joined, I filled in one night for the singer of Glut Trip who wasn't able to do the show. And then I've been there since and we named it Clutch, I guess a couple months later. Everything, I think we always intended on changing the name. We never really got around to it.
Clutch is on tour right now with Lamb of God and Corrosion Conformity. And for dates and more Clutch news, you can head to ProRock.com. Also, if you want more of my interview with Neil, you can read it in the book, That Devil Music. Yeah, a book. It's in a book. It's fucking weird to me, but it's in a goddamn book. So if you can find it, That Devil Music. It's really strange it's in a book. Anyway. Or you can head to the KSSU News WordPress page. Now, here are some of Phantom Flowers from Blood Ceremonies, The Lord of Misrule, before we head back to Sean. Three Inches of Blood, Unexpect, Yourself, or anything Devin Townsend. So as an outsider, I ask, why is Canada so weird? <laughs> uh, we all live in remote, uh, icy, icy corners of the country, I guess, and have the space to develop bizarre, isolated personalities, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Canada has a, has a great thrash tradition, you know, um, and that's <clears throat> so I mean, any any time we've traveled to Europe, you know, the bands people want to ask, you know, to, talk about are you know like the sacrifice, like you know, bands like Sacrifice and Razor and and uh, you know these great bands from the '80s. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Voivoda, yeah, they're and they're from North, you know, they're a very isolated band, but uh, yeah, just a st- strange, strange uh, amalgam of different sounds. But uh, you know, in Toronto, Toronto specifically has always had a weird uh, group of characters here too. There's there was a guy named um, um, Nash the Slash. Don't know if you've heard of him, but I have not. But I uh, will have to Google him. Yeah, he, he passed away recently, but he was like he's a um, uh, played the electric fiddle. He used to play in a progressive rock band called FM. <clears throat> and he would dress up like the Invisible Man and completely cover his face in bandages and have these goggles. And <clears throat> he would—he uh, wrote the score to, uh, or a, a score to, a couple films like Nosferatu and The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And he would play these in in cinemas, you know. And he would have these violins just kind of hanging there, and he'd be screaming like, "I need it louder," you know, and just totally bizarre and do these great performances. So. You know, uh, so Toronto, where we all live, has always had these kind of bizarre music characters here, homegrown. <laughs> um, you also said that this is kind of a very uh, European-sounding record. How do you guys go over in Europe when you play? <clears throat> um, uh, yeah, we do all right. Yeah, we our record label's based in London, England, so um, there was already there was already uh, a bit of a scene there for us to 
to jump into and, and uh, we always like playing the UK and uh, and uh, I think in Europe too there's like a there's there's definitely like a folk metal um, tradition there as well which uh, I mean we always fit peripherally into these different things I suppose but yeah Europe's always been absolutely great to, to tour um, outside of music, what do you what do you do with your days? Because you said you work nights. I'm assuming you're, as a musician, not able to completely live off being a musician yet. No, it's. I think it's it's tougher now. I mean, we keep hearing, <clears throat> you know, album sales now are nothing. Obviously, like what they were in the '90s, because you know, people that that pay for music now are like, I guess, true supporters of of these scenes because it's, uh, you know, with the availability of like torrents and stuff, if someone's paying for your music, they, they really, they really care. So they want to have a physical copy. So I guess in that sense, we feel kind of, we kind of identify with a lot of, you know, anyone listening to us, you know, we're, we're kind of throwbacks and we collect records and movies and stuff. So we kind of, we kind of identify with that, but, um, yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we all have different kind of, we all, all have different jobs to pay the rent. Some more respectable than others. <laughs> Are you alluding to your your nights as a prostitute, or? <laughs> um, well, I work I work nights in in uh, uh, not as a prostitute. That sounds that sounds more exciting than what I do. But uh, <laughs> uh. but uh, no, we spend our we spend our days you know uh, hanging out. We have a it's a great bar that we all usually meet up at if we have to get together before or after rehearsal this place called thirsty and miserable um that our friend katie runs and it's always like really good rock music and great beer so i think we spend most of our time there so it's safe to assume that you're about to head out on the road and promote the hell out of this record when can we expect to see a california stateside uh, as soon as possible really i mean if we can get <clears throat> down to the states before the end of the year we will so it's just um, just a matter of finding time where we can all, <clears throat> I guess, clear a couple of weeks so we can we can do it. But uh, yeah, we haven't been. We played in New York with Pentagram in 2014, but haven't been back in a while. So, and we uh, we love the West Coast as well. There's, there's been a couple different. You know, we've talked to different. Um, you know, it looks like there's a lot of interesting festivals popping up in California already too. It's, uh, they sound great, and uh, as soon as we're able to, to get down to one, we will. That'd be very cool. All right, uh, thank you very much for talking to me. When does the new record actually drop? Uh, it's coming out, uh, I hear it's coming out on the 25th of March, so just a few weeks from now. Very cool. And uh, I think Die Hard uh, orders, pre-orders are going to go up on, on our label site, Rise Above Records, uh, probably this week. All right, well, thank you for talking to me. When you come California side, I will be there to see you guys. Great. That's awesome, Daniel. Thanks a lot, man. You're welcome. You have a good one. Okay. All right, cheers. You too. Bye. I want to thank Sean Kennedy for talking with me and advise all of you out there pick up the band's new album, the Lord of Misrule, out now from Rise Above and Metal Blade. For more Blood Ceremony, head to their Facebook, facebook.com slash bloodceremonyrock. So far in each episode, I've ended with a personal recommendation, but I'm hoping to change that up from time to time. 
I've met a lot of musicians and writers from a lot of different scenes over the years, and I've called on some of them to recommend artists that might be a bit out of my wheelhouse. The first of these Far Beyond Metal correspondents, as I'm calling them, is uh, Lisa Mungo, the vocalist and keyboard player from Seattle's experimental post-metal doom, etc., etc., collective, He Whose Ox is Gourd. Hi. Um, first off, I just want to say thank you for allowing me this opportunity to share music I love uh, with you and yours. Um, anyone who knows me knows I live, eat, breathe music all the time. I mean, if you knew where I lived, you would understand <laughs> how much I love music. So this is incredible. Um, I'll jump right in. The band I'd like to talk about today, um, New Axe Eyes from Seattle, I believe are on the forefront of experimental music. They um, manipulate electronics in a tactile and human way uh, and create soundscapes that feel both foreign and familiar. Essentially, if you really got behind, uh, John, if you love John Carpenter, period, but uh, if you really got into the Lost Themes, especially the remix version of that, I think that you will love this band. Um, I believe Purient was on that as well. I don't know. Just if you're into anything that was happening with that, I think you're going to love this band. Um, also, be on the lookout. New Axe Eyes uh, will be putting out a full length with Randall Dunn, um, who has himself helmed the Sonic Odysseys, if you will, of bands like Sun O and Wolves in the Throne Room. So, again, I bring you the band New Axe Eyes. The song I chose is Assange off of their Assange Church 12 inch, available at newaxeyes.bandcamp.com. This song is called Assange. I hope you enjoy. Thank you. 
For more on new Axize, head to ne.waxey.es. They, their name is their URL. It's kind of fantastic. And for more on He Whose Ox Is Gourd, who are great, by the way, head to facebook.com slash he whose ox is gourd Seattle. I'd like to thank you for listening and a special thanks to all the bands that took time to be a part of this fun little podcast of mine. You can follow Far Beyond Metal on Facebook at facebook.com slash far beyond metal. You can tweet me at ovacord, O-V-A-C-O-R-D. Or if you want to email me, farbeyondmetaldan at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. A Catbox production.